Hello everyone and welcome to Chapter Tactics. This is the 40k podcast that focuses on playing Wormer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. And today we're taking it to the smallest level. That's right, we're going to talk about 40k Combat Patrol. But, of course, I haven't played a full-size game of 40k in a while. It's been a couple weeks, almost a month now. Uh, so I'm the worst person to talk about Combat Patrol. because I didn't even know it was a real thing until a week ago. But I brought two people who definitely know all about what it takes to win on the tabletop with just a few amount of models. And so with me, I brought Mr. Alex Torbert from Kill Team Academy. How's it going? And the Electric Elliot from... Nothing, uh, I guess. Where you, what state are you from, Elliot? I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. From, Min- from Minnesota. Electric Elliot from Minnesota. Minnesotans, watch out. He's the nicest one out of all of you. Fact. I don't all know right. about that. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, you clicked on the title. You know what this episode is all about. So before we jump into it, let's talk some quick, quick announcements. The first is that, uh, yeah, GW did announce a huge, huge rule change uh, over the weekend with the the new types of units, the new keyword uh, that essentially enables certain uh, buffs or in certain aura effects on characters to not affect certain units. Uh, it's very, very cool. We're definitely going to be talking about that next week, but I did want to address that right off the bat because I know a ton of people are going are asking about it. And so this episode was one we had already planned. Uh, and so normally we do like to stay on top of those big 40k news, you know, changes. Um, and I do think it's actually a really good Space Marine nerf. Uh, Alex and Elliot, um, what, what do you guys think about it, about that change? Oh, I think it's going to be huge in all uh, <laughs> all forms of 40k, whether it's combat patrol, incursion, or uh, or strike force for sure. Uh, yeah, I think it's great. I mean, where was it like in 2018? I guess before <laughs> uh, you know we've had a whole edition run around you know buffing characters like or uh, characters buffing units like that. But uh, I think it makes a lot of s- sense from the fluff perspective. And as Alex was saying, it might uh, kind of put the Space Marines uh, down a notch for once because they're definitely one of the factions, I think, that benefits from the auras the most. So, Yeah, right on. I, I agree 100% with both of you. Uh, I, th- I think GW, I think if this was a sneaky way to nerf Space Marines, I think this is a great job. I don't think that's the case. I think this is just something that they've been mulling about uh, for a while, uh, but they they definitely did a good job and they definitely marketed it too. They all of the examples they give were were Space Marine examples specifically. Uh, so th- you know they're on the right track. Hopefully, it changes the meta enough so that when we finally do start having tournaments nationwide uh, consistently, that um, it you know curves Space Marines a little. But let's talk about something else. Let's talk about uh, 40k Combat Patrol and also Kill Team. So this podcast isn't known for its wide variety of kill team and combat patrol coverage, or crusade for that matter. Uh, So those alternative games are are kind of new to me and kind of new to, I think, a lot of our listeners. Uh, So real quick, tell me, what's combat patrol? Uh, How is it different than kill team? I think we all understand that kill team is squads and each model kind of acts as its own. And so combat patrol feels like it's just a bigger version of kill team, but isn't so big so that it's it's full on 40k. So why why don't you both tell me a little bit about what combat patrol is to the general people who listen and also what combat patrol means to you and why it kind of jumped out at you as uh, a legitimate alternative game. Well, combat patrol, I guess for those who don't know is uh, just 500 point 
Warhammer 40k games um, played on the smaller board size. So it's uh, 44 inches by 30 inches, I believe. And um, the games go extremely fast. It's actually quite different from Kill Team uh, in the sense that Kill Team has alternating activations and a whole bunch of other rules that are quite different from unique from uh, from 40k and uh, combat patrol at least in my experience we've run a few tournaments here of it locally um actually everyone has just enjoyed it immensely uh, because basically because the games go faster even than kill team games and um and that's kind of one of the the draws the big draws to those smaller formats is uh, getting through the games quickly you can get more games in a day in a tournament and uh, any sort of negative feelings you might have about a game are, you know, just gone instantly. You don't, uh, you know, you're not sort of, they're not dragged out as much, I guess, in lo- as, as they might be for a longer game. And uh, um, Define faster than a Kill Team game. Fa- Sorry, did you say explain faster? Yeah, define faster. What's faster? What? How fast um, are Combat Patrol games So. Fast? When we have kill team tournaments and we set, say, for example, the time limit for each round to be, let's say, an hour and 30 minutes, um, we set that same time limit as a test for the combat patrol tournament that we ran here. It had about 20 people. And um, all of the games finished, like, in 45 minutes. And part of that is because there's no restrictions. It's kind of the Wild West right now, um, I guess similar to regular 40k without a whole lot of events um but specifically in combat patrol a lot of the uh rules around it you know they come out of the core book you can use any units you want that you can fit in 500 points and uh you know people are bringing greater demons and dreadnoughts and knights and things that you wouldn't normally you definitely wouldn't see in guild team and it sort of uh it just makes the games go and the yeah it just makes the games go faster apparently a lot of tablings, actually. Okay. Uh, Elliot, what's your experience with Combat Patrol so far? Um, I'd like to touch on something that Alex said, where he said everything is out of the Warhammer 40k rulebook. And I think that's one of the largest differences is, you know, it's real 40k. There's no special rules for Combat Patrol at all, other than the mission set that's included in the Warhammer 40k rulebook. All of the charts that you use to determine table sizes, detachments, command points, all of that has been baked in to the original rule set. And in that regard, it's you know tremendously beneficial for new players because they're playing 100% Warhammer 40k from day one, whereas Kill Team has its own rules publications. Uh, it's kind of its own specialist game where there are a lot of similarities in Warhammer 40k and Kill Team. But as Alex said, some fundamental changes like uh, alternating activation and stuff that we don't really have in Warhammer 40k, you know, you won't be exposed to that. So, and I think it's tremendously useful for uh, players learning the the game. Um, at the event that we held this weekend, I kind of did a little pre, pre-tournament poll. I said, who hasn't played a game of 9th edition yet? Every single player raised their hand and... Um, <laughs> And by the time we were rolling dice on round three, I didn't have to answer a single question. So I think it's it has a huge, huge, um, you know, potential to really bring a lot of um, new players into the Warhammer 40k community. And as 
Pablo, you've said on past episodes, we're going through a time of tremendous growth right now and tremendous visibility. So I think that, um, you know, it can be that engine. I would say that it's basically like an on-ramp to the highway that is getting a player playing 2000 point games of Warhammer 40k, right? That's where we kind of want the community to be. And it's a really, really valuable tool. So I would you know, I wouldn't be dismissive of it just because it's 500 points. And in addition to that, it's tremendously fun and it's, you know, very stimulating even for like a, a veteran player to say like, you know, how would you break the game at 500 points? You know, come out on a Saturday, spend five hours. It doesn't take a whole day. You can get a tournament done in a short period and, you know, have some fun and roll dice. So I, I agree with everything you both said. I, I think alternative games and alternative ways to play 40K is going to be one of the big boons going forward if you look at if you look at really really successful games like magic the gathering or league of legends there are alternative versions and alternative ways to play those games too for every kind of player and so combat patrol it it might be it might turn out to be the more competitive version uh it might turn out to be something for more casual players might be an entirely different beast who knows right but I, i think it's safe to say that most people listening to this podcast have at least 500 points worth of stuff to pl- put together for a combat patrol team and if you don't 500 points worth of models is super easy to get uh, i've sold 500 points of models in the second hand shop for 30 bucks 40 bucks and you can actually buy those models at frontlinegaming.org or frontlinegamingstore.com slash ebay or ebay.com slash store. you know what i'm talking about that's a plug anyways 500 points is easy the big concern i have is for people who listen to this podcast who play regular 2000 points of games 2000 point games of 40k and jump into combat patrol and go like 500 points that doesn't feel like a lot that doesn't feel like i can't play with all my toys what does a typical 500 point army list look like well in the uh tournaments that we've had and are having we have another one coming up next weekend with uh, 24 players um we haven't actually because it's so uh Everyone is so free to use any of the models that they have, obviously, because it's it's regular 40k. There's no like in Kill Team, you're restricted to like one or two type unit types um, that each faction can bring, um, and so everyone is just immediately trying to, especially from a competitive point of view. And we've actually have a decent um, the the local um, our local store is pretty good at supporting these uh, events, and uh, so we have some good prizing basically. And so everyone is bringing their you know, they're actually taking it quite seriously uh, from a competitive point of view. And so they're bringing, you know, they're trying to break break the meta, break the game as, as much as they can in this uh, scenario. And uh, so you're seeing, you know, two Invictor War suits that can on the smaller board uh, get off a turn one charge really easily. Um, you're seeing greater demons, um, like double, because um, there's also no rule of three. I mean that you are limited by what a single combat patrol detachment can can hold, but um, you know you can bring multiple two demon princes and things like that. That people are trying to sort of see what is most efficient at that point level. And uh, what I haven't really seen yet is people, you know, doing what is obviously working at two thousand points, which is MSU armies or you know a lot more troops for objective holding, um, which I think would probably still work uh, in at the combat patrol level, although there are less objectives to be holding. So, uh, you know, the big tough things can, uh, can definitely <laughs> swing the games pretty hard. Um, but, uh, yes, a lot of the lists that, that I've seen are essentially just trying to bring the most efficient, biggest, toughest things, uh, 
four or five hundred points, which a lot of you know sort of more casual players might think are you know not playing the game the way it's meant to be played at that level, you know, for newer players. But uh, everyone seems to actually be totally okay with it. Even the players who don't necessarily have the best um, models for their faction, you know, from a points efficiency point of view, um, have been trying to, you know, figure out the format and figure out the uh, the best way to win with whatever army they have or what models they have, basically. Yeah, that, that is really interesting. Uh, before we go into the missions, Elliot, what, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you built in Combat Patrol and kind of what you've seen out of army lists? Well, it's it's really interesting, actually, because no archetype like lists have emerged, essentially, because the game is so new. And one thing that I noticed like at Alex's event is they had like 24 players representing 17 different factions or something like that. There was only two or three duplicates, like three Salamanders players and two Chaos players and stuff like that. But um, so, I mean, I think that's really good for the game. And I think that's a trend that we're seeing uh, play out right now in, you know, in ninth edition 40K. Um, so that's really interesting. Um, the guys here locally haven't been like as Alex's uh, meta. They're very organized. It's a bit of a shark tank up there, I think, because the guys are all preparing for it. Here we were seeing stuff like, you know, they get the new Indominus box. They're using the new Necron models out of it. I saw a lot of Terminators, like Rubric Terminators and Black Templar Terminators, stuff that, you know, did really well. And, uh, but you might not always want to play that, you know, in a bigger 40k game. So it also provides players that have kind of these legacy armies, uh, you know, an opportunity to bring out the old Black Templars and see what kind of mayhem, you know, you can cause at the 500 point level. And um, for myself, I was just running a ton of guardsmen and cultists just uh, to try to cause problems, but uh, it didn't work out that well. I ran into a whole bunch of bolters early and uh, it was bad results on my behalf so yeah absolutely and and i think that's actually really cool that you mentioned that 17 out of 24 stat on the factions because that is the first thing that popped in my mind was oh i can i can run different factions now i have an excuse to paint 500 points worth of necrons or or eldar whatever faction i want and then kind of use that as a gateway drug or gateway jump into uh 40k itself now I want to talk a bit about the missions before we kind of talk about the the meta that you, you two have both been seeing, because I feel like the missions and knowing what they're all about is very important and critical to understanding how Combat Patrol is played on the tabletop. So what do the missions look like? Is it the standard nine missions that you get, uh, but just modified down to a 30 by 22 table? Or is it something completely different entirely? Uh, there's actually only three missions in the core in the core rulebook oh, wow. for uh, Combat Patrol, and they're all this they all have the same primary uh, objectives which are basically just hold one hold two hold more uh a couple i think one of them has a special rule hold on i just have i have to bring them up here but um they uh they're very similar though to the main 40k rules as you're saying it's just compressed a little bit a lot of times there'll be like four objectives on the table um, and the secondaries are all the secondaries that are used uh, in the original rule book for you tournament players. You're probably more familiar with the GT book. Um, and don't look for these rules in the GT book. They're not included. They're in the in the big, thick, uh, you know, 
core rule book that has all the illustrations and stuff like that. But the secondaries are just lifted uh, directly from 40K for better or worse, just because, uh, you know, now that we're talking about 500 points, it can be very challenging to um, accomplish some of these. And I think that they've become more challenging already as we've moved into ninth edition. So I've, I've found that a lot of the games are determined either by, you know, just sheer destruction of another player or through the primaries, which I think is something that we're also seeing in ninth edition 40k for what little data we have. Okay, the, cool. So the, the the three missions are um they're very they're actually very similar to all of the other missions for incursion or strike force, um, except that they have a they each only have exactly four uh objectives markers for the primary. Um and one of the missions does actually have something that they removed from, at least as far as I know, they removed from the GT pack, which is this sort of tagging mechanic where you, you know, if you control an objective and then you move, move off of it, you still control it. There is one of the missions does have that. Um, and then, yeah, the secondary objectives are a very interesting conversation related to uh, combat patrol because a lot of the secondaries, even from the, the core rulebook, um, are obviously not really designed to be used in combat patrol. There's, for example, the one where you get one point for each model or some fraction of a point for each model that you that you kill um, is just you're basically never going to take that in combat patrol. Even if your opponent brought the maximum amount of models they could fit at 500 points, you probably would only maybe get eight points out of it or something like that. Um, so it, it the secondary objectives when relating specifically to combat patrol are really interesting because you, you can narrow it down extremely quickly to, you know, three or four that, that even are really viable to max at 15 points, uh, in combat patrol. Okay. So uh, I guess this kind of brings me to the next question. Uh, what does the meta look like? Is it similar to the 40 K meta Are ad mech and space Marines kind of dominating everything with some, you know, death guard sprinkled in there or, is it is it something uh, entirely? And also, how often do you see one hundred point or max score point games in Combat Patrol? And then, final question, I, I guess, is how many turns is it? Is the standard, you know, forty k turns, or is it a smaller than that? It is the standard five turns. And okay. um, <coughs> sorry, I'll let Elliot uh, handle the other one. <laughs> Space Marines are pretty good. Turns out at all point levels, uh -oh. that's what we've seen. Uh, it's not bad. Um, yeah, a lot of armies, you know, are still good that are good at big 40k, but it's it's just so diverse. You really just need like one good data sheet in your book to make a viable, uh, you know, combat patrol team. So I think you see, you can, I don't know, it's really open to anything you want. I know that's not particularly rewarding for people that are... Uh, you know, wanting to get the down low on the exact build they should bring to it. But I think that's part of the appeal too, is that um, there is nothing established. So there's no preconceived notions about, you know, really what to bring. And in addition to that, uh, you know, distilling it down to 500 points makes it um, sort of more rock, paper, scissors in regard to some matchups. And that's just something that you kind of just buy into and appreciate as part of the game. Whereas in Main 40k, I think, you know, if you're going to, you'd want to minimize those bad matchups. And of course you do in, in uh, Combat Patrol too, but it's it's just a little different where you just know that there's armies that are going to crush you. 
and there's you know armies that are you're gonna have a good time against and you know gaming that and you know relying on the matchups i think is kind of the appeal of trying to win an event like that too okay and in your experience how often do uh actually how well does skill level transition from warmer 40k to kill team uh combat or excuse me uh combat patrol do you think like someone like richard siegler the the ICC, current icc champion do you think he can go into combat patrol and all of a sudden do really well or is it a completely different skill set entirely it's the same skill set, but I think he would benefit from like more choices on the table is like more opportunities for him to like flex his brain and make good decisions where, you know, a 2000 game insulates you uh, in terms of dice rolls, but just, you know, in the variance to a certain extent. And when you do take it down to a smaller game, obviously, you know, making saves on that uh, smash captain can be you know the difference between winning and losing not that that couldn't happen in 40k but it's just you know he's like a third of your army at 500 points versus whatever it is seven and a half percent or something at you know in a full 40k game so so be honest with me both of you how competitive do you think combat patrol is as a viable alternative to competitive 40k do you think that maybe 500 points is too little for a competitive player to flex their muscles and make good decisions and consistently beat bad players at combat patrol or worse players at combat patrol or do you think it's something that could be very viable in the future down the road with uh, an actual itc champion um and some something that people actually strive for and uh, learn and, and improve on I think it it definitely has the uh, potential to be much more competitive. Uh, it needs a few tweaks, I think, to the secondaries and uh, possibly to a couple of the ways that the, you can choose units. But uh, and, and it's also interesting in a way. It is very connected to the incursion size, uh, which is in the GT pack and has you know all of those missions uh, because it uses the same board size. And after playing combat patrol quite a bit um i can't imagine the amount i mean we're going to move up to incursion size uh, at some point but uh having double the amount of points and models on that 40 by or uh 44 by 30 size board um it's just going to be a, a bloodbath uh, of models dying even with you know the proper amount of terrain and everything just because the everything is so sort of cramped together on the smaller board. And um, I think that also the fact that they have the incursion missions, which probably in theory could be used for combat patrol because the board is the same size. Um, I do think that there's a lot of opportunities to sort of almost combine those two formats because I know that combat patrol is sort of considered less right, you know, because it's not in the GP, in the GT pack, um, but there are a lot of similarities between uh, Incursion and Combat Patrol, uh, especially for future events and things like that. I mean, uh, Elliot, do you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, um, I think that on GW's part, it's something that they just kind of, not really stumbled on, but somebody advocated and just kind of slid it into the packet and um, and it was a fantastic idea, in my opinion, like bless whoever came up with that, because, um, you know, there's there's a big community that still has liked it, um, even when it hasn't been supported for GW for years and years. You know, Adepticon has still been running Combat Patrol, even when there was no official rules for it. And um, so I think with GW support, you know, if they if they concentrated on it, you know, it's limitless with their love. But 
I mean, what's more viable, like streaming a one-hour game of 40K or like a three-hour game of 40K? Right, I absolutely agree with you in that. So so let's go ahead and move on to kind of the second uh, topic part of this, and that's comparing Combat Patrol to 40K. Right, and so right off the bat, as uh, someone who runs uh, 40k tournaments in the Las Vegas Open, and someone who who consumes competitive 40k content and is very much in tune with with a, you know that level of 40k, the the competitive side, I love the idea of having less than an hour long games. One of the biggest biggest gripes I've always had with competitive 40k is that it's too determined by luck, and we can't play best of threes. Best of threes are what make I think the difference that make um, you make it between competitive games and games that ha- can't quite be as competitive. I think like like chess, for instance, right. chess you know, chess grandmasters play entire you know rounds that take days. They they make sure that they play their set amount of games to determine a final outcome winner, right? And so it, it's it, I think it's critical for a competitive game to have something like that, some some sort of check. Right, uh, six rounds for competitive forty k is currently what that check is, and I think six rounds doesn't do a bad job. I think it does a, a perfectly fine job of separating, you know, the the better players from the worst players and really awarding skill. However, how many games can you play in a combat control tournament, like a three day tournament, like Las Vegas Open? Well, we um, in our tournament that we had here with twenty players, um, we fit four games in a day unbelievably easily. We we sort of allowed. We, we didn't know really how long it was going to take um, because we hadn't really done it before. And um, we could probably fit at least six games in a day. So in a three-day tournament, you know, you could fit in a huge amount of games. Now, if each player was doing like a best of three, it you could probably get in even more games because, you know, you can sort of finish a game and say, okay, this is over. Let's move on to the next game um, before you actually, you know, completed every single turn. Um, so I think... Yeah, it it would really it's the best format that I know of for doing best of 3 type of uh games because it, the games can just have you know that you can know who's going to be win- who's going to win very quickly. Um which you know some people might not like from a competitive point of view, but uh you know because it can feel like you just missed that you know that one dice roll that costs you that game, but yeah, in a, in a best of 3 and that also opens it up for other sort of mechanics, uh, you know, possibly taken from Magic the Gathering, where you can change units or change, you know, different things about your army list between rounds um, or between games against an opponent uh, to sort of, you know, in a way, you know, balance out that uh, rock, paper, scissors aspect of it. Yeah, I, I really like that idea, Alex, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because there is a lot of room for innovation here. Uh, you can even consider bumping it up to 600 points and seeing where that takes you. Uh, 500 points definitely is only the minimum, I believe, is right. what GW called it. So you can go up to 600 as long as you don't go past the 750 or 1,000 point. Is is it just is the next level 1,000 well, points? Well, I think once you... I'm trying to remember. Once you get past, is it is it if you're is it still considered combat patrol if you're under a thousand points, or does it bump up to the other? As soon as you get above five hundred points, do you get more? I think you get more. Um, I don't uh, know. Command points as soon as you as soon as you go up by one, you know, to, to like five hundred and one points. Because um, I I heard some people talking about doing that, you know, to get a huge amount of uh, command points for a tournament for uh, like a two thousand point tournament where they go to two thousand and one points and then they get the uh, the command point level <laughs> for uh, the onslaught sized games. 
Right, right. The, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know exactly where the rules lie on that. Elliot, do you have any idea? Um, I don't think 600 would change like much of the calculus in it because it's incursions already on the same table size, right, Alex? Yes. So yeah. it wouldn't really fundamentally change that many things. You might get a few more CP uh, to start with, and uh, players like their CP. We've they've uh, in the LVO packet for kill team. They added more CP. Like everybody loved it. So I don't think it'd be twisting anybody's arm to you know go up to six or whatever. Uh, you know, that point is where you can actually make some choices then. And I don't think it'd be uh, too far-fetched to have like a sideboard mechanic because we've already seen that introduced by Games Workshop in Kill Team. It's called a roster and you get all these guys that you pick. And then when you come to the table and see your opponent's roster, then you both like, you know, draw from that and then the game begins. So I think it'd be nice in, in big 40k too, in 2k games. But uh, it's definitely something that's not completely foreign to GW. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm not sure about the big. I, I'm sure about 2,000 point games of the sideboard, just because uh, people do take a long time. However, I do love the idea. Of maybe not even just necessarily a sideboard, but just uh, bringing two different like 500 point or 600 point lists, right? And then if you play best of three, there's already three missions. So you just play all three missions, and you bring two lists, and maybe one list uh, is does really well blind meaning that it's a good all-comers list, good on mission one, but your other list, your second list is more specialized uh, for beating a specific army. So then at that point you decide, do I want to go to my specialized list and get a better chance of tabling my opponent? Or they might, you know, switch it around, you know, if they're playing Tyranids and they go all of a sudden horde heavy instead of uh, their their more monster heavy first list. It's it's really cool. I, I don't know about adding three lists. Three lists feels like overkill. Um and I feel like a 200 point sideboard feels a little underwhelming or like 250 points or anything under 500 points feels a little underwhelming, but that that's the cool thing about combat patrol. And, and, and you saying that it's the wild west, right? Is there, there is a whole bunch of room for innovation here. And, you know, we've got, you know, two great guys here on this podcast. Plus I'm sure other people around the world are already uh, putting up small events. And the, my favorite thing about combat patrol versus 40 K is how easily uh, how easily accessible it is to people who want to go to tournaments. You, oh, you know, you can, you can grab your buddies. Yeah, go ahead, Alex. I think. Yeah, one uh, yeah, one thing that Combat Patrol that we found is just amazing for is really preparing people to play <clears throat> bigger games of 40K, which is obviously what it was kind of designed for. Um, but even things that aren't really talked about a lot, such as uh, army list building and submitting a properly formatted uh, list to uh, Best Coast Pairings. Um, you know, a lot of a few people that we have at our tournaments, you know, have never done that before. But because they only have to include, you know, four, maybe three or four units on their list, it's really easy for them to get a grasp of that quickly and realize that, okay, I can just add more things to my list in this format. And it's just like everyone has, we've been very um, kind of cutthroat about it. And it's still going over great in terms of, you know, you got to have your list in by this time on this day and all that kind of stuff for a, for a format that brings in a lot of new players. It's, uh, it's really been successful in terms of people having fun and also taking it seriously, um, you know, from a not necessarily from a sort of, you know, bringing the best units and competitive wise um, for everyone for the new players, but uh, in terms of really learning the rules and learning how a game of a tournament of 40 K is played. Um, it really seems to have enough 
of the big 40k um, format with the simplicity of less models, less units, and all that kind of stuff, um, is uh, is just seems to work really well as far as we as far as I've seen. Okay, very very cool, uh, Elliot. Do you have anything else to add to that? I mean, I think you're right, Pablo. It's really easy to get your buddies out, um, like a full 2K RTT production here in the Twin Cities. You know, it's about a 10-hour deal for us between lunch breaks and, uh, you know, extra time in between rounds and stuff like that. You know, we scheduled our first event for five hours, which was half the time. We started 11, which is later, and we're done before 4 o'clock and we finished early, you know. So I think it's a lot easier for people to get away for, like, five hours on a Saturday than it is for, I mean, you know, people with families, people with other commitments, people want to have, you know, their night. And it's, it's really easy in that regard. And then it, you know, if you want to put on a bigger event, um, something that we've been allowed, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but to have a GT, technically it has to be a two day event in 40 K. Is that right? For the, Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So for combat or uh, for kill team, they, uh, you know, waive that rule. And that means that we can have, you know, a five round event. You can have like 32 people get together, easily have one winner, play it all out. You can do, a th- you know, a five round GT event for combat patrol in the same time that you could, you know, in less time that you could run an RTT on that same day. So I think that scalability adds a lot of viability to it where, you know, getting away for two days for a lot of people, a lot of my friends have kids. That's a special occasion for them to, you know, take two days off from the family coming out for, you know, eight hours to play a GT on a sun or on a Sunday or Saturday, you know, it might be a lot more manageable for people. Yeah, I agree entirely. And then one other cool thing about that is the administrative side as well too. So w- when I finally started hearing more about combo patrol from the both of you, I got really excited as, uh, as an administrator of events because you you're working with a 30 by 44 table so you're already working with less space uh ho- hopefully you're getting more people in which means all of those people are if you're running a gt all those people are paying through the door to get in maybe even just for one day maybe for just for a friday or a sunday uh and then more importantly it's so easy to run you've got just 500 points uh smaller tables and uh, you can put it, you can just make it a single day event and it'll be fulfilling. Uh, a, I actually really dislike single day 40k events like RTTs and stuff. Uh, every time I go to an RTT for 40k, I actually end up just leaving after round one and then just play, like, playing pickup games with, with other competitive players that I actually want to play. And, that, and that's not a knock on the players with the RTTs I show up, but I, I get a limited amount of time playing 40k. And I'd rather spend a day playing 40k with uh, people that I know and buddies than just in an RTT format where I might, where I'm playing for like $30 store credit or, or something even less, right? So to yeah. me, something And if like you have high turnout too, right? Like if you, I know on the West Coast, you can get like 25 people show up for, you know, an RTT and then you end up with three or four people that are, you know, three and O at the end and you end up getting third place and no credit and it's kind of unfulfilling in that regard too yeah. where i always love 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 the frontline you know uh motto of there's got to be a one true winner for almost every event they run and mm-hmm. this really makes it easy to do that yeah oh yeah absolutely uh, that same 40k rtt that took three rounds to play for the entire day you're playing you know six to nine uh combat patrol rounds depending on how long you want if you go an hour that's that's uh seven and a half hours that's seven rounds 
right? Maybe even eight or six, uh, you know, either way you're spending, uh, you're using your time more efficiently as a TO for a game that might be more fulfilling, just depending on how, how, uh, strategic and how fun it is and how how much the community rallies around it which which i think is really cool so combat patrol has a lot of upside in that market as well and uh i think if you're a uh to and uh you're looking to add a you know spice up your event and add alternative formats combat patrol is a great great filler event it's also really good for sunday as well sunday usually you only have a few people who actually care about making the top tables uh or there isn't a top table but by the midday of Sunday, you have, you know, maybe three a few people who are 4-0 who are in the running, and you have the rest of the people who, you know, are having a good time, but maybe instead of uh, having them play out, you know, another full round three of three hours, you could have a combat patrol, you know, four rounds, or you could do pods of eight where you just do th- uh, three hours, which is a 140k round. And in those three hours, they play a pot of eight, which is just an eight-person seated bracket where you're guaranteed a winner. They just, you know, go eight players, four players, finals, done. Boom, that's so easy. And that's in the same round as one game of 40k. That's three hours, right? That That's crazy. You can do so much with that if if you have a community and if you have players who are willing to play it. And that's the big thing, right? That's that's the reason why we're bringing this this kind of the attention of people who play 40k is that there is this alternative way to play 40k in Combat Patrol that both TOs and players can maybe enjoy and take advantage of. Now, it should be uh, said that Combat Patrol currently does not count towards ITC points, so any of yes. these uh, Combat Patrol events don't actually uh, count for any ITC scoring. Now, I think when you know more events start trying combat patrol or incursion and they start seeing the similarities because it's on the same board size between incursion and combat patrol uh, size games i could see that potentially maybe changing in the future probably not for this season but uh as the community for combat patrol grows um i could see it if it does if not getting its own kind of ranking system similar to to kill team um could be something uh that would you know encourage people because that's one of the things that really brings people out for various reasons is getting itc points and um i do think that combat patrol has the potential to be uh a, a competitive format basically support for this podcast comes from invent together According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a US patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups. It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. 
Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify. I think it'd be worth uh, considering. I know it's a... Uh... It's a short season, right, because of COVID and everything going on. And um, so, you know, events that didn't count for much before are counting from or, you know, they're weighing more heavily. But um, I think it would be an interesting discussion to have, you know, with the ITCTO group and Reese and all the guys um, maybe going into uh, the 2021 ITC season. Because I think if you went back and looked at... Um, the 2019 season's final results and you looked at like the top 25 or 50 players that, you know, the RTT size scores are not, um, you know, they're not really moving the needle very much. A lot of these people that have these scores, um, you know, they're coming from majors and GTs. And um, so I don't think it would be uh, particularly problematic, but just to be clear at this time, um, combat patrol is, not allowed for itc so yeah that's something you know that can definitely change in the future we're literally in a new edition in the middle of the itc season so even if tournaments were in full swing right now combat patrol wouldn't be added as an itc you know uh tracked event uh until the next year anyways so we have time uh now i want to talk about uh kill team which is actually an itc tracked event and combat patrol and kill team do feel very similar obviously kill team is different it is single squads you have a roster it's probably less points overall but not by much and it obviously it plays differently there are different systems of game there's kill team which is kill team and uh combat patrol which is the uses the 40k system what coming from both backgrounds i I actually have no idea about either of these games well, but what are some differences between Kill Team and Combat Patrol that you'd like to highlight for people who maybe are playing Kill Team or maybe interested in trying out both and uh, trying to figure out which one they want to jump into? I would say Kill Team currently, because it's gone through, you know, two years plus of growth, um, has really, you know, have it has its meta kind of established in a way. I mean, I know each event with different... Um, uh, uh, tournament rules packs can change that, but uh, it if you are looking for information about Kill Team, there's a ton of it out there for you know which rosters are the best and which factions are you know top tier and all that kind of stuff. And uh, for Combat Patrol, it's not quite you know it hasn't quite doesn't have that fleshed out yet. Um, but from the events that that I've seen. Uh, it ha- it really has a similar potential in the sense that everyone that plays it gets really excited and has a lot of fun, but is also taking it competitive, you know, taking it seriously or competitively, or a lot of people that I have seen are doing that. And um, because of that, it sort of similar to Kill Team can... Um, sorry, you might want to cut this out. <laughs> No, and no, no, keep um, going. that's okay, man. That's that's all right. Elliot, do you want to take it away? Yeah, um, I think one of the big advantage of Kill Team is it is real 40k. So as every new release comes out, you can play with those models as soon as the codex comes out. You know, when there's new Space Marine units announced, you can bring that in day one. 
you know, there's no lag time behind that. Um, Kill Team was supported really heavily for its initial release, but honestly, I kind of think that um, like it caught GW by surprise in terms of its popularity. Like if you just look at how well like the starter set sold, like it went out of sale like very, very quickly. I ended up having to buy them from the UK and like having a, a forwarding service like send me packages of them because it was such a fantastic deal. And, um, but now I think between COVID and new 40 K, uh, they've, there's a bit of a lull. We're kind of in a bit of a limbo with, um, kill team where there hasn't been any major releases. And, um, I'm just going to read something from Mike Brandt said, he said, kill team is definitely not dead. There's some insanely, insanely exciting stuff for it in the future, including stuff I've personally wanted to see in the 40 K universe of games, basically my entire life. So you know, we were having this issue with people were saying, is Kill Team dead? Is Kill Team dead? It's definitely not dead, but the releases for it are kind of punctuated, you know, per that uh, schedule, which, you know, it technically is a specialist game under the GW website. So, you know, they kind of get to it when they can. And, um, you know, you don't have that with Combat Patrol. You're there day one rolling the dice. And I think that that's really, really exciting for people that, you know, want to use these new Necron units. They want the new Primaris Marines. They're painting Assault Intercessors. You know, you're there and you're playing with them right away. Yeah. And 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 one thing one thing about um, what you said, Elliot, that that's also kind of strikes me is that Mike Brandt, um, he, he's, if, for those of you who might, are unfamiliar, Mike Brandt is a 40K playtester uh, who... I, I don't know the specifics, but it looks like he spearheaded Kill Team in general and overhauling Kill Team. Uh, the the Kill Team missions were very much uh, very similar to to Nova missions, and Mike Brandt is the TO of Nova. Uh, you know, Mike Brandt was very very supportive of Kill Team. I believe he was credited with helping write the rules for Kill Team. I'm not exactly sure. I don't I don't know. I don't want to say anything officially, um, just because I don't know. Uh, officially how it happened but i do know that uh, mike brandt's super passionate about kill team and he was instrumental in getting uh kill team revamped and off the ground for basically version two right but mike brandt now is also he's a very busy guy he just he was just hired by gw he's running the app for games workshop he's making sure that's getting off the ground and also his football team the washington red the washington football team uh are uh getting absolutely destroyed um, so he's spending, you know, I imagine a, me- a reasonable amount of time crying about them losing. So, <laughs> you know, it, he, he's a busy, he's a busy guy. So, uh, you know, there, there might be some issues uh, with, you know, with Kill Team there. I doubt it. I'm, I'm, I doubt Mike Brandt actually runs the Kill Team releases. Uh, but the point still stands in that I, I agree with you. We haven't seen a lot of uh, a word from GW about Kill Team in Ninth Edition and how Kill Team was converted to Ninth Edition rules. So, uh, you know, who knows? Um, you know, they haven't done anything with it yet. I, I agree with you on that. Uh, it'll be interesting. I, there, to, there, oh, have, there have been uh, quite a few uh, online Kill Team tournaments uh, lately, you know, due to the whole pandemic and everything um, that were extremely successful. And actually, one of the groups, uh, Tactical Tortoise, I think they're called, who've been doing 40K in that in that world, mm-hmm. uh, actually also just recently, very coincidentally, reached out about Combat Patrol as well. And they were talking about, you know, trying to turn it into sort of a really competitive format and working with the secondary objectives and things like that. Um, and so in both of those worlds, Kill Team and Combat Patrol, um, they have definitely lent themselves to this time where, you know, people are playing online and also in person. And um, it 
as well, the smaller board size, I just wanted to throw this in there uh, when we're planning our events here, uh, allow you to really space out the tables to really be safe uh, for, you know, at least for the next few months or however long it takes till we can uh, play normal tournaments again. And so that's another factor that is, uh, you know, makes this format even better, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and just to clarify, we've been talking about the dimensions. It's literally half the sa the size of a 40K. So if you have like the older mats, you're already like taping them off. You can literally just put one down the middle and turn like what would have been one 40K into two tables. So it's literally twice the player density that you can have, you know, in non-pandemic times when, you, you know, we're running an event and some events are really, really limited. Like, uh, BAO, right? That's they were limited at the space there. They're pretty much using everything, right? Was that was that right, Alex? Last year, I know you were there too, Pablo. Yep. Oh um, yeah, yeah space is definitely, definitely yes. limited there. So, yeah. And um, and one last word about uh, Kill Team and uh, Mike Brandt is that personally, I'm suspicious that um, that the success of Kill Team led to him taking on that position because he's what the head of global events now for games workshop and yeah yeah he yeah he he's um go ahead ellie i didn't mean to cut you off there i just think it was uh like blown out of the water expectations in terms of, if you've seen how some like how hard some of these boxes are to get and stuff like that um i think that you know they knocked it out of the park with that and that you know between that and nova of course which is a tremendous achievement you know um you know, really paved the way for him to assume this role. And uh, I'm I'm holding my breath as long as it takes because I do think that we're going to get everything we want eventually. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Uh, kill Team, the scarcity of the Kill Team packs, I think is, I think it has less to do with popularity and more to do with just GW's production um, and failing, being able, you know, failing to meet production. And this, this goes as far back as the beginning of 8th edition, by the way. This isn't just me saying like, oh, it's a recent COVID thing. This is something that's been happening for a while now. I remember when the Commander's expansion came out uh, and after like a month, people were, were begging for Commander expansions. And then there was those Kill Team terrain sets uh, that were the battle zones that were so, so popular that Kill Team players loved. And, you know, they sold out really fast and never came back. Uh, yeah, but but I agree with you. Um, Mike Mike did a lot for Kill Team, and then he hustled. He's also a really successful, you know, talented guy who definitely deserves getting hired. And I, I can guarantee you everything he's done definitely got him the position he's in, which um, I believe he's gone on record as saying is, you know, his dream job, you know, working for Games Workshop, a company that, you know, uh, he's loved for years or has played, made a game that he's loved for years. And so I don't know too many more specifics beyond that, but... Uh, either way, it's going to be interesting where Kill Team stands. I actually don't think that they're they're mutually exclusive. Uh, I think that Kill Team and Combat Patrol can be kept together because they're both small scale games. And uh, let, let's face it, they're not as pop. Neither of them are as popular as 40k. Uh, for now, you can easily have an event where you have like an LVO, and then you have one day, uh, or maybe not an LVO, but like a two day GT, where one day you have Combat Patrol, and then the second day you have Kill Team. Or you can even run them in tandem with each other. You can have Kill Team and Combat Patrol on Sunday and have players decide which one they want to play in. Uh, so for right now, the, they're they're both compact enough to fit into an event center, and uh, they're not as popular as 40k, uh, which means they're not going to have they're not going to be competing with each other uh, in the future. Who knows? 
Um, I actually see a lot more potential in Combat Patrol over Kill Team, just because the rules are so much easier to pick up because people are already playing 40k. However, uh, Kill Team has its own appeal too, in that it, it has all those cool terrain sets and has that customizability factor, and, and it is it does play very differently. Uh, and, and you also, I think, get a lot cooler set pieces in Kill Team than you do in, in, uh, a Combat Patrol, where Combat Patrol, you're basically using the, the 40k terrain, which is, which is okay. But in Kill Team, you have, like, Infinity-esque levels of detail in your terrain where you're fighting, like, inside ships, you know, and, and through factories. And I've seen some really cool Kill Team terrain. So, there's that. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see where they go down the road. Another uh, do you, potential. Go ahead, Alex. Sorry, another potential, um, thing that we were talking about was the team events because these games are so fast you know you could have a player playing kill team a player playing combat patrol and a player playing uh, incursion on a team and all of the games would finish in a reasonable time they wouldn't take up as much space and i think you could have some really exciting team events with uh, with all three of those formats together or in you know or just three games of combat patrol but the um <clears throat> yeah just the amount of time it takes to uh, finish those games just is it can't be overstated. <laughs> All right. Speaking of the amount of time it takes, we're coming up on the end of a Combat Patrol game. 51 minutes in. Alex and Elliot, any final thoughts? Uh, quick pitch to people who are on the fence about hopping into Combat Patrol. Give us your, you know, 20-second pitch. And then uh, any are there any plugs or anything you want to add before we close out the episode? Alex, you want to go first? Or... Or I can. Are you there, Pablo? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So yeah, I, I, I heard uh, everything went quiet for a second there. Um, That's fine. So did we talk about LVO? So we're running Combat Patrol at LVO on Sunday. So it is a really nice alternative if you don't want to play, um, you know, in the Sunday RTT or if you're not one of those top 1% that makes it to the finals. So, I mean, of course, this is all saying, pretending like COVID isn't going to happen. Who knows what's going to happen? But as it stands, we're running a Combat Patrol uh, event at LVO or whenever the next LVO is. And so, you know, definitely give it a shot, but give it a shot at your local store too. And one thing that I uh, thought was really um, cool about Kill Team is we had a guy who's like, nobody's running Kill Team tournaments in my, it's like run it yourself. So, you know, reach out to the store. That's exactly what I did. I just, I just contacted them out of the blue, shot in the dark and said, I'd like to run a kill team or a, excuse me, a combat patrol event at your store. And, uh, you know, it worked out really well. Right on. All right. Uh, Alex, I think, I think we're having some issues with Alex here. He is currently in the room. However, it looks like, um, we're not getting any feedback from his mic on his end or anything like that. That's okay. Uh, I will go ahead and plug him for him. First of all, this is what he would say if he were trying to convince you to play combat patrol. That is play combat patrol, sucker. Uh, I'm just kidding. Alex is yeah, yeah, He's actually yeah, a very yeah. nice guy. Yes, he is. <laughs> Um, so HFX Games is his local store. He wanted to give them a shout out. So if you want to play some Combat Patrol, um, go to HFX Games uh, and HFXGames.com, where I imagine uh, you can find some cool stuff uh, and maybe even some Combat Patrol stuff as well. Uh, Alex Torbert is also uh, the fantastic guy who runs the kill, ran the Kill Team event last year at the LVO. And so I know that Kill Team and Combat Patrol are in good, good hands with Alex and Elliot. Elliot was also there for the LVO last year, too. Um, yes, sir. Uh, and then, 
he wants to say uh, Georgie Garnett is the great player that got us off our quarantine asses to organize these events. So he wants to give a special shout out to the GG Georgie Garnett who uh, got them to start playing combat patrol and running these combat patrol events. So Georgie, thank you so much. Uh, I I loved your I loved your acting in the movie It. By the way, I'm glad to see that you're actually okay and all grown up, Georgie. That is all. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right into the um, the patron questions. So for those of you who don't know, uh, we do answer questions, or we do open the floor to the patrons at the end of every episode. This episode is no exception. Uh, if you want to have us ask us questions and have them, us answer them live on the air, just go to patreon.com slash chapter tactics, where you can support the podcast, keep the lights on, uh, and then maybe occasionally buy me Starbucks. Uh, also, I'm so sorry to the patrons this time. I thought this was a Kill Team episode because I ignorantly confused Combat Patrol with Kill Team. I thought Combat Patrol was literally just GW's rebranding of Kill Team. Turned out to be not the case. Uh, So to those patrons who asked Kill Team specific questions, I promise we'll answer those questions. However, this episode had nothing to do with Kill Team. Oh, nothing to do with Kill Team, but it didn't... Kill Team wasn't a focal point of this episode, and for that, I do apologize. All right. First patron. Uh, first question comes from patron John Johnson. What's your opinion on the Kill Team Elites book? Personally, I think the addition of Terminators and Custodians in a game primarily inhabited by a few Marines and T3 bodies throws the, the system out of whack. Flesh wounds are great for one or even two wound bodies, blah, 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 blah. What do you think, Elliot, about adding in the Elites book? Um, It's, it's a fantastic uh, publication. It, I don't think it really balanced the game on, or it, you know, it it didn't cause too many problems. I think it's mandatory. You should always play with it at any event. And um, I really liked it. I mean, it added a lot of cool stuff for, um, you know, these more elite factions. And, um, yeah, it's one of, one of my favorite publications other than the actual, uh, you know, the core rules themselves. So, for me, it gets a huge two thumbs up. All right. Awesome. I have no opinion, John. I apologize. Uh, patron Nathaniel wants to know, curious to hear the panel's thought on starting into Kill Team. What are some factions that are more beginner-friendly? Uh, we'll extend this question to uh, Combat Patrol and Kill Team, Elliot. For jumping into Kill, Kill Team or Combat Patrol, what are some tips uh, for starting factions? Well, if you want to be frugal, there's like a bunch of Kill Teams that you can buy pretty much out of one box, or you can you know, supplement it with some of those easy to build. So like Grey Knights, you can build out of one box, for example. Um, like Nurgle has some like pox walkers easy to build and stuff like that. Uh, anything that you can uh, pick up at a discount like that in terms of like something you want to roll into that's competitive. I mean, Space Marines have been making a really strong presence and Necrons too. That's another faction. You can buy a box of Lich Guard. You can buy a box of Flayed Ones. You have 10 models there. You have some, uh, you know, some playroom in terms of like the ratio that you take of those. And, you know, in the last uh, event that was run, there was uh, two Necrons in the top four. So they're definitely a top tier faction. So I think anything uh, strong and durable like that or anything that, you know, if you're not really sure how addicted you are yet to 40K, there's factions out there that you can pick up for, as Pablo was saying, what, 30, 40 bucks. And that's brand Easily. new. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, <laughs> this gentleman uh, wants to know, uh, not Kill Team related, but I'd love to hear people's initial reaction to the aura changes, which we actually talked about at the beginning of the podcast, but to 
quickly recap. The core keyword changes are awesome. They are secret nerf to Space Marines, and I am excited to see not only uh, how they interact with the rest of the 40k meta, but also, more importantly, what other sneaky things GW has planned to put the bring, bring the game to balance. What are they going to do? Where is their secret Mr. Miyagi heading next? Are they waxing on or waxing off? Tune in next week. Uh, all right. Uh, Matt wants to know, I have the Kill Team rulebook and the Elites book, but I haven't played a single game yet. This is mostly due to time constraints. What can I do to get started on playing Kill Team and not be overwhelmed by it? Uh, same same question for Combat Patrol too, Elliot. Um. I think you should use the resources around you. There's not really the depth in terms of podcasts. There are some great podcasts uh, for Kill Team, but really where a lot of um, like the content has been has been like on YouTube. So if you check out uh, a friend of mine who also attended LVO last year from the UK to play Kill Team, he has a channel called Glass Half Dead. He has a ton of introduction stuff on basic game mechanics initial rosters for every team so i would really you know uh use your media use like resources that are available like that and uh you're going to be off to the races in no time yeah absolutely and alex actually uh he's in the chat he's a real trooper mike be damned he's gonna get out information to us uh he said that uh he that you guys encouraged everyone for combat patrol incursion to try building lists assuming best auras won't affect the same units or their best auras won't affect the same units um, that's that's a really cool uh, concept as well. It helps people train for the core keyword, um, and uh, yeah, it, you know, it's good. It's it's a good way to play, and it is also kind of nice that Combat Patrol will also be affected at the same time 40k does, uh, which which you know can be super cool. I don't know how how big of a deal uh, you know stacking auras was in in um, Combat Patrol. However, I imagine there were some lists where that was an issue. Um, all right, and then final question comes from patron Hugh. Not sure if questions not related to Kill Team are allowed, but to everyone on the podcast, what are your thoughts on clocks at events? In my view, it makes things fairer for players and easier for TOs with less games running over. Uh, Alex and Elliot, what are your thoughts on chess clocks at events? Thousand percent support them. They're they're amazing. I mean, um, other like chess plays on clocks war machine used to play on clocks i don't know how they manage time in uh magic but i think um it's fair and they're great and they may seem stressful at first give them a chance and um you know don't look back yeah absolutely uh alex says that they thought they might need uh chess clocks um, for the LVO, but or or for Combat Patrol, but the games went so fast for Combat Patrol, it could be a format that may not require them as much as other formats. I agree, Alex. At an hour, uh, you really don't need you don't really don't need chess clocks in Magic. It can happen uh, where there's been times where opponents have timed me out in Magic, and I've had to call time on them. And um, specifically, this happens with best of three matches. So. In Combat Patrol, if you do best of one, you wouldn't actually have that issue, right? Because you you just do a best of one game, and um, you know if you get an hour round, should be plenty, assuming that they can get it done in an hour. Um, but even then, you can't always fall back on chess clocks. However, when it comes to best of three games, your opponent can just slow play the game. If you, if you only have two hours to play three games, and you, it takes an hour to play your first game, and your opponent. Uh, wins that first game what's your opponent's incentive to finish a third game or to play a third game right because they've already got a win 
they don't need to finish that second game. So they, you know, if they take their sweet time and it takes a second hour to play that entire second game, they win because they've won the best of three. That's something that you see in Magic all the time. Um, it, <laughs> and, Magic is a different beast. And um, there was actually an example of this last year at uh, Nova for the finals event on the final day for Kill Team. They did best of three, and the players. I love Nova. I, you know, I, I go every year. Um, but it was tremendously difficult for them to manage the time. I don't remember what they got. They had like three and a half hours or four hours or something. And they spent the one of the games that I was there uh, recording, they spent two hours and 45 minutes on the first game. And as you can imagine, it's it, it's a big hurdle. It's a big um, like paradigm shift for players to have to manage time. Um so I do think there's there are challenges going into best of three formats. Yeah, Alex says that Kill Team definitely needs chess cocks over Combat Patrol in his experience. That's fair. Uh, as for me personally, I think that if you're a TO, uh, you should strongly consider using chess clocks. I know that some people will argue that chess clocks uh, kind of uh, can be abused and maybe even ruin the integrity of the game a little bit uh, and have their own issues. And th- those are all fair, valid reasons. However, in my opinion... 40k has been a lot more fun and a lot more manageable ever since I started using a chess clock, specifically for games where uh, I haven't played the person before. It's just, it's a fair arbitrator, uh, you know, if, if my opponent chooses not to not to go by the chess clock, then that's on them. I don't have to force them to use the chess clock. Uh, you know, if they start going behind on time, I can point to that chess clock as long as I'm the one using it. You know, it's just, it feels fair uh, when when um necessarily you might not you know have a fair instance uh, obviously with with people that i'm familiar with i don't use chess clocks or for people who are really chill you can kind of tell right away if you're going to need a chess clock or not in 40k um but yeah i, I think i think it's something that that's at least important to have for players to have as an option to protect themselves and uh to ensure that they have a good fair game all right uh, that that is it. That is all for the patron questions. Uh, there was no ads today. We kept it. Uh, I tried to keep it to a nice crisp hour. We went a little five minutes over. That is no big deal. Alex, I know you can't say anything, but uh, thank you for coming on, and Elliot as well. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about Combat Patrol. Uh, once again, um, just as a final plug, there will be Combat Patrol at the LVO. Elliot, what what day is the Combat Patrol going to happen at the LVO? Sunday. Sunday, right on. So if you're interested in trying out some Combat Patrol, maybe you don't want to do the RTTs, maybe you had a bad uh, Grand Championship, and if we even have the LVO, which, fingers crossed, hopefully we do, we have no idea what's going to happen in the future. However, consider doing Combat Patrol. Uh, maybe not for this year at the LVO, maybe in the future for your future of GT that you're going to, and if you if you think that uh, there's no Combat Patrol, hit up Alex Torbert and Thomas Elliott on Facebook, or, you know, I'm sure there's a Kill Team or a Combat Patrol you know, Facebook group where they are, uh, and just, you know, ask them for some tips and tricks or, or maybe, uh, uh, Alex says it's a great format for local events to gradually get back into games of social distancing. That is also another great example, Alex. Uh, absolutely true. Get, go to your local, uh, uh, you know, friendly local gaming store, ask them if you can start running combat patrol events, very, very small events. Uh, it's also a great way to teach people how to play 40 K as has been said multiple times on the podcast. Uh, of course, this episode was brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, so go to FrontlineGaming.org and buy stuff. And then finally, one plug I have, I've been working with people uh, on a 
D&D 5th edition campaign setting. We're planning on bringing it to Kickstarter soon. Uh, and you might have noticed uh, we've been writing articles about Dungeons and & Dragons and RPGs, specifically about homebrewing, uh, D&D and RPG homebrewing, on FrontlineGaming.org. Uh, so check that out if you're into D&D, if you're into Pathfinder 3.5 edition, 5th edition, RPGs, homebrews, all that stuff. Check out those articles. They come out every Thursday morning at midnight. And, uh, you know, look out for more inf- more information from the Brew Crew and the future uh, in general. And uh, for those of you who are astute listeners who've been listening carefully, that is, yes, that is the code name Bison Burger Soup. That is where that comes from if you listen to Signals. And I think I said it once on Chapter Tactics. So keep an eye out for that. Thank you so much for listening. You are all the best listeners in the world. And as always, have a good one. <laughs>